I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? (laughs) We did it guys. One that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Hello, my name is Demetrius. This is Jason. Hey guys, good morning. And you are listening to Spaces Podcast Express. Thank you for coming back, everybody. Uh, today we have a guest joining us. Please help me welcome Anthony Winston. Uh, Anthony has is a professional engineer and has his own company, Winston Engineering. And uh, for the sake of time, Anthony, I'll I'll throw it to you and let you talk a little bit about uh, Winston Engineering, what you guys do. Um, so Winston Engineering was started um, a little over five years ago. Actually, I started it while commuting on the train to downtown LA. So instead of sitting on my phone, I uh, Google, how do you start a business and started the company and I was doing two jobs at once. And eventually I, I started making enough where I could walk away. And what we do now is we provide HVAC electrical and plumbing engineering construction permit plans for residential uh, and commercial buildings. Um, when I first started out, it was just electrical because I'm a licensed electrical engineer. Uh, but then I started hiring the right folks, and now we we provide what what they call full MEP packages. Good for you. I love hearing that. Instead of just wasting time on the train figuring stuff out, man, that's awesome. Thank you. We have kind of a mix of listeners, and we try to give people that aren't in the in the industry a little bit of an understanding of what the different parts of our industry are. So can you give a quick snapshot of what mechanical, electrical, and plumbing engineers do? Yeah. So uh, starting with mechanical, that's that's your HVAC system. So uh, heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. 
essentially someone like you and uh, an awesome architect <laughs> will uh, wow. give us <laughs> will give us a uh, a floor plan and based on the room sizes uh, based on how many windows you have how hot it gets how cold it gets they can run calculations to determine how much heating and air conditioning you need for that space and how forceful the air needs to be and how how much how many times the air needs to circulate um, in terms of electrical uh, we take a look at your floor plan, see what equipment you have, um, lighting, how many outlets, things like that. And we, we provide a map to provide power to those appliances and ensure that, you know, we're not overloading your circuit so that everything is safe. Um, we can also get very, really complicated with solar systems, battery backups, uh, generators, all three put together, right? So if you want to go off grid, um, and then in terms of the plumbing, it's a similar type of thing as electrical, right? You have a, a load, which is your sink or your toilet, um, and then you have your source, which is the utility. So we, we determine where these items are and provide water to them and also drainage. Um, so, and then once we create that package, we then give it to the client, they submit it to the city, and if everything goes according to plan, there are no comments, then the contractor can then pull contracts, I'm sorry, pull the, um, I just drew a blank permits permit. There you go. They pull a permit and then they actually go and build it. Yeah. For, for context too, MEPs is like a huge checkpoint along the construction process. Um, that's one of the main things that they look at when they're moving down, you know, the schedule and those types of things when they can get MEP sign off so that they can start the rest of the house. So it's a really, really critical path item, uh, in the overall build schedule. I recently, uh, wrote a, an article about kind of looking back at my five years in business. Um, it was kind of a blog that I just threw out just some thoughts and I, I equate MEP engineers as the, uh, the, the field goal kicker, right? <laughs> the, the court, the quarterback can be, you know, throwing interceptions, people dropping balls. And then it doesn't matter if I'm, if, if the field goal kicker misses the kick, it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good analogy. <laughs> yeah. That's very funny. By the way, the, the checks in the mail for that, uh, not yeah. that I'm a great architect. Yeah, that's, that should be that should be a big sum too. <laughs> uh, Jason, just uh, as some background, um, Anthony and I actually just worked together on a project uh, that we just got into the city, so that's actually under review. So um, worked on a, a cupcake shop in LA. Um, so Anthony and his team stepped in uh, to run the MEP on that that whole thing. So turned out great. Um, just waiting for it to get reviewed now. So we can whatever we got to do to get you guys to build some more cupcake shops, I'm down for it. Like <laughs> I'll go with it. <laughs> it's funny. I had never heard of that cupcake shop. Am I allowed to say the name? Uh, probably not yet. Okay. Well, well, it's fairly famous, but I'm kicking myself because I don't want to go to the cupcake shop, but I can't go. So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So, so I started that project prior to. COVID outbreak. So I got a chance to sample some of the cupcakes ah. and brought brought a bunch home. I brought like a box home uh, to, to my wife. So when we were trying to get back out there, but didn't, uh, didn't work out. But yeah. So, um, so Anthony, what else have you been up to? What are you working on right now? Um, we got huh, quite a bit going on. Um, and, and when, when COVID hit in, you know, in March when we got shut, you know, the state was kind of on quarantine. Uh, we took a dip and I started getting a little nervous. Um, 
But then all of a sudden at the end of March, it just, it took off. And we started doing, um, people were more concerned about their office spaces in terms of the COVID spreading. So we had clients recommending certain things that they wanted, such as UV lights and, you know, whole house fans and really highly rated uh, vents uh, or filtration vents. So we've been doing quite a bit of those. Um, we've been doing quite a bit of uh, indoor agriculture. Uh, we've been working on a large project in Paris. It's actually, I want to say 400,000 acres. Um, wow. This particular company provides the plants that you see in Home Depot and Lowe's. Um, and you'll, you'll, you nine times out of 10, if it's on the West coast, it's from that place in Paris, California. So, uh, we basically had to re-permit or actually get permits for, I mean, hundreds of greenhouses. Um, so that's, that's been an ongoing project. So that's, that's been kind of, we've been really lucky to have that project. Yeah, man. I was, I was thinking Paris, France. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was here in Paris. I'm like, damn, that like that bit, like that's crazy. No, it's funny. I just told my wife when I came from Chicago and visited Moreno Valley years ago when I was a kid. Someone was like, yeah, I just I just came back from Paris, and I was like, man, you guys got money. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. So that's a for those that are not in California, that's a local city here in California. Uh, Paris, considered part of the Inland Empire. Yeah. P-E-R-R-I-S. Yeah. Lake Paris is a recreational place too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> with the filter upgrades that you were talking about, Anthony, mm -hmm. um, are you, you're referring to like the HEPA filters? Yeah. So either HEPA or like the MERV 13 rated filters. What's the um, difference between those two? Um, HEPA... HEP is like the hospital grade, right? Correct. It, it, I mean, almost nothing can get through it. Um, and I think it's a, it's one may be like 99%, 99.9% of stuff can't get through the other, maybe 98. Don't quote me on that. Um, but it's just a, a little bit marginally less for the MERV 13. Exactly. Okay. So yeah, we've, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting with interesting, uh, tax to see what design how how design goes with COVID-19 do you kind of out there are you hearing any early conversations because we we had a brief conversation mm -hmm. about COVID and kind of wondering if there were going to be any code changes I don't think that there's necessarily going to be a code change but then I started thinking about it again and on the mechanical side now that people are starting to talk more about uh air exchange and, and the transfer of air with this respiratory uh, disease, maybe there might be something that comes down the pipeline. Uh, are you hearing anything right now or? I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not hearing anything. I, I, I would be on the fence about that because at some point may, you know, maybe they'll have a vaccine, but then what if this happens again? Right. Yeah. Um, every few years, something comes out, um, Take it back, man. Uh, Take it back. Take it back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on, on one hand, you, you know, you want to be protective of people. Um, but then you got to do a lot more research to prove that out. Like I posted something on Facebook uh, mentioning the project that I told you about with the UV lights and everything. Mm -hmm. And people were like upset, like it's a hoax. You're just trying to steal people's money. I'm like, I didn't come up with this. I'm telling you about a method that a client told me about. Um, and it was nasty. I don't, I don't see how people do it. Stay on social media like that. 
Um, and you know, it's paid ads, so it's thousands and thousands of people who see it. Um, but I couldn't imagine being in, uh, on that level organically and just have comments just, I'm like, geez, leave me alone. <laughs> it's so bad. Like, it's so bad. That's funny. Uh, on the electrical side, you talked about the battery backup. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, so what do you have going on with that? Is that sort of picking up quite a bit of steam uh, with the recent code changes? People are trying to shift to the battery backup. Um, no, it, it really doesn't have any necessarily anything to do with, with code revisions. Um, so I, I live in an area in Marietta. Um, it's kind of up in the hills. And if something happens, um, like we've had wildfires, if your power goes out, there's nothing you can do about it, right? So I personally have gotten, I had solar first and then I added battery backup to it. So if our power goes out, I'm good to go unless it's sustained, you know, cloudy days, then it'd be nice to have a generator. But um, I'm noticing it more on um, kind of the higher end homes that are doing it, but not every day, not just track homes, um, which is unfortunate because you can get it fairly inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and if power goes out, especially here in Southern California with our wildfires, it will be very beneficial to have something to turn on. Because even if the wind kicks up a lot, it may not even be a fire, but if the wind kicks up, the power company will just shut your power off. I forget what the the program is called, but yeah. Now, why did can I can I ask why did you decide to go battery backup versus a generator? Because I mean, so it's something we've looked at too, and we have solar, but we've got it. You can't necessarily add it on. You got to start another system or something, or something goofy about it. But I've always looked at generators, yeah, um, as a as a you know pretty equal uh, situation too. So generators. It's tough because, well, with the battery backup system, I, we can program it to where at nighttime we run off the batteries and not the utility. So you're almost off the grid, right? In the daytime, you are running off the solar. Um, with the generator, you'd be spending money on fuel or whatever, you know, whether that's diesel or propane, right. whatever the case may be. Um, so that's why we didn't do it. I would only add a generator to our system um, in case we have sustained cloudy days. Otherwise, we can just keep running yeah it makes sense so that battery is uh connected to a solar panel right correct correct so the the solar system and the battery system are all fed into um your inverter and then an inverter gives you your your ac power right so the the solar panels and the batteries um, provide you with dc which is direct current to your inverters and the inverter inverts it to ac which is the you know, the sine wave um, that your your house needs. Gotcha. On the plumbing side, I know for the project that we recently worked on, I ended up specifying all, um, what is it, Sensomatic, uh, the sensor fixtures for pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing sort of an uptick with COVID, uh, an uptick on specifying those type of sensor uh, fixtures? Yes, um, we just wrapped up a teen center in, I want to say it's Compton, and they made they were really adamant about making sure that they had the, the, the touchless um, sensors. Um, I, I definitely see that taking off. I'm like, should I invest in a company that does that? Because <laughs> you, you're probably going to see much more uh, automated doors, you know, um, touchless bathroom doors, touchless, you know, sinks and back you know hand um hand drying systems yeah so it's it's going to be interesting yeah 
I think we should just all get together and make bubbles, plastic <laughs> bubbles that have HEPA filters on them and whatever, you know, for, yeah. for what's going on. Because ultimately, it feels like that's where we're going anyway. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> you guys see the desks and stuff they're going to put kids in? I mean, frick. <laughs> Like unbelievable. Yeah, my, my kids are staying home. I'm, I'm not, we're not dealing with that. I mean, no, you know, I'm not trying to down, you know, anybody who has yep. kids and if that, you want to send them to school, that's cool. But I just, I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh bubbles, human bubbles. Didn't we talk about one time construction site bubbles? Didn't we talk about that one time? Like we were talking about, was it you? I was talking about the idea because of everything that's going on with SWIPS and everything else that they have out there. I'm like this like little home building bubble. What's this? So it's like, what'd you say? SWIP? Swept. Swept. What's that? Uh, oh, it is stormwater prevention, pollution, something or other. Oh, okay. It's yeah, yeah, huge. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah. That way, you know, with everything, you could catch all the fallout, all the dust, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. We just build these massive, like, plastic air filter bubbles yeah. for people to build into. I mean, yeah. dude, like, that's where it feels like everything's pushing towards anyways, right? That's funny. Because those, those swept fines are massive. Like, yeah. if, if you get hit, like, they're big. So, yeah. anyway. So I'm sure, especially in California, I don't know if it's if it's, no, it's in other. Uh, other I think it's primarily but, California. Yeah, yeah. The, the wonderful state that we live in. Everybody, I get so many complaints about California. Like, I'll, somebody will come from out of state, we'll do a design form, and you know, we got Title 24. So I'm I'm specifying all these daylight sensors and and uh, occupancy sensors, and they're like, I didn't have this in my budget. What are you doing? I'm like, it's not my fault. Like it's <laughs> California. You want to build here. Yeah. Yeah. It pushes their, their budget way up. Yeah. And then you got Sequa and it's, yeah, it gets crazy. Yeah. It's pretty bananas. And you talked a little bit about the project types that you're working on. Can you kind of talk about that range that you're working on? I don't, I don't think you went far into, to all the stuff that you kind of work. Yes. Yes. So, so we do residential and commercial. So, um, on the residential side, we'll, we, I mean, ADUs are starting to pop up a lot. We've finished like three of them in the past month. Um, and usually we, we hardly ever see them. Um, and for anybody who doesn't know, that's an accessory dwelling unit, basically like a in-law suite built onto your house or, ex, you know, in the backyard or whatever the case may be. But we'll do small ADUs and we've done all the way up to 20,000 square foot custom homes. Um, we do on the commercial side, we've done tons of Starbucks, right? Super small space, all the way up to an 80,000 square foot kombucha manufacturing facility. Um, we do quite a bit of office space, um, medical space, um, done a lot of dental offices, pet. We've done a couple pet hospitals recently, which is kind of random. <laughs> um, cupcake shops, it, 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 any, we pretty much do anything except the big stuff. Like we, we won't do hospitals. We just don't have the manpower or anything like stadiums. Um, I refuse to work on anything that deals with prisons. Um, I don't care how small it is. Yeah. Um, but that's just a personal thing for me. Um, but yeah, we, there, there's not much we'll turn down. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the ADUs. Um, mm-hmm. most, most housing projects forego getting MEP or, smaller projects for go getting MEP. Is there mm-hmm. a reason you think that people are having you do ADU? Is it because of the small footprint and they want to make sure they get it right or? Well, it's, it's the city that's, that's dictating it, right? Because if you have an ADU, you're, you're tapping, oh, you're tapping okay. into the existing electrical system. You're tapping into the existing plumbing system. So you have to make sure that the, the house 
the the main house still has capacity to give you what you need in that ADU. Mm, got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Cool. I may be calling you soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, paying back, paying back for that plug. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Any. So we're coming to the end. Any last minute comments you want to make about um, what you do or anything you want to leave a listener with about MEP? Yeah, um, if there's, you know, the the great thing about MEP is that it's always needed. It, it For the most part, it can be outsourced, although um, sometimes it gets outsourced to, to India a lot. Um, but I encourage any anybody who's interested in a career path, you know, if you want to go into construction, look on the engineering side of things. Um, I think the longevity uh, is there. It's not going anywhere. We're, we're constantly building. We're constantly renovating, um, rebuilding. So it's, it's an amazing industry. Um, and then also, you know, I'm going to follow me on social media. Just look up Winston Engineering on Instagram, Facebook. Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, doesn't really matter. Um, I'm all over the place. So I try to stay in front of people and just kind of make engineering seem interesting because for, to the average person, it's very boring. So that's something I struggle with. Thank you so much, Anthony. Really good, informative conversation squeezed into this very short amount of time. And for our listeners, we will see you on Tuesday. Thanks. This show is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. You can help support what we're doing here by leaving a five-star rating and a review on your preferred podcasting app. It helps others find us, and your support is the only way that this show grows. And don't forget to connect with us through our Facebook community, Instagram, and see the random thoughts and articles that we share on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you again for spending some time with us. Talk soon. Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host Patrick McLaney, FAIA former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise. From 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just 
boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.